Uh, whether you're at home watching with us, and for those who are here, I encourage you just to, <clears throat> to open at John's Gospel, chapter 1, as we come to consider God's Word this morning. As I said, we want to think a wee bit about Simon Peter as a life shaped by God. Who's following who? We're going back to where we were with the children and this little bird that has appears on so many screens of our phones and iPads and so on. What does it mean to follow someone? And who, who maybe, who do you follow? <clears throat> I don't know who you're, what your interests are or who might be the sort of people that uh, intrigue you. There are those who like myself, enjoy sport, and so maybe you want you would be wanted to follow someone like Gary Lineker, who's sports presenter, or or Chris Froome, a cyclist, Andy Murray, a tennis player, Marcus Rashford. Maybe you're maybe you're into something totally different. Maybe you take an interest in some of the uh, current affairs broadcasting presenters, people like Fiona Bruce, or. Or Stephen Nolan, if you're really keen. Or uh, maybe there's someone like Dan Walker, who's got such a, a wonderful array of interests and, and abilities in sports presenting, TV morning presenter, and so on. Dan Walker's a very interesting person. He is Christian. And uh, he uh, one time was on a business, and he get, got on board the train. He was traveling. He had nothing else to do for a little while. And so he, he opened up his Twitter page, and he just put on it, okay, I'm, I've got a wee bit of time here. Uh, does anybody want to ask me some questions? And so some folks started tweeting to him, and one of the questions was, what, what, is, what do you find is the meaning of life, or what is the meaning of life? And he was able to take the opportunity there online to open up to this Twitter world the message of the gospel. Great opportunity. So it, there, all of these things have their, have their good purposes. They do, of course, have their downsides, and many would use Twitter pages to be very critical of uh, people, especially maybe those who are involved in TV and, and sport and so on. But it's a way of making comment or having discussion online. But the key thing in all of this is that we choose who we want to follow. We can go onto these pages. We can look it up online, and we can tick a box that declares our interest, that I want to follow Dan Walker. I want to follow um, Gary Lineker. We choose what we want to do. In ancient times, I'm going to go back to Bible days now, a student would choose his tutor. We think about the day, someone like Saul of Tarsus, as he was known, better known to us as Paul, but Saul of Tarsus was a student of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a great tutor of his day, a great teacher of his day. And Saul would, would have to, or his parents would have to come to Gamaliel and, and, and request, maybe even plead, that he would take on Saul of Tarsus, Saul, to be a student. 
And once you got enrolled there as a student, you would listen to that tutor, you would learn from that tutor. Learning from the tutor was, was quite a, an experience, but you have to be accepted. The tutor would have to bring you in there and say, okay, I'm going to lead you, I'm going to teach you. The relationship between the Lord Jesus and his disciples was different. You see, if following Jesus was left to us, few, if any, would be willing to follow. Who is willing to take up the cross, leave home and family, put your hand to the plow, lay down your life? It's not that enticing. That's what Jesus says. If anyone will come after me, let him do this or do that. No one putting his hand to the plow is able to look back. Looking at Peter, we notice how it is Jesus who comes and he says to Peter, follow me, follow me. Now, all of this unfolds kind of throughout the Gospels, and we have read from John chapter 1, and, and we read here of how the disciples are, 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 some of them have been listening to John the Baptist, they are introduced to Jesus, they begin to follow Jesus, Andrew brings Peter to Jesus, when he brought him to Jesus, verse 42 of John 1, Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas. Jesus chooses his followers. And following Jesus begins with God or with Jesus, the son of God. And in another other part of the Gospels, Jesus says to Peter, Leave your nets and follow me. And from that point, Peter is governed by a mighty power as he is guided and shaped by God. This big, brawny, bumbling fisherman is to become a friend of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, and a foremost exponent of the gospel as he will go into all the world. Jesus says to his followers, Again, later in, in, in his ministry, Jesus said to his followers, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. It's what a contrast it is. We choose whom we might follow. Jesus says, You did not choose me. I chose you. Jesus chose Peter. Jesus chose Andrew. Jesus chose Nathaniel. Jesus chooses men and women saying, come, follow me, follow me. Christ is in charge. He takes the first step as he summons people to come and follow him. And what we see in Peter is a life shaped by God. And so today we want to see what this kind of life looks like. And the first thing is that a life shaped by God has a new identity in Jesus Christ. A life shaped by God has a new identity. We go back to verse 42. You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. There's, there's way too much talk about identity nowadays. Whether it's male to female, female to male, gender transitions of many kinds, it's just out there uh, such a 
a mess in this world. Uh, and even these people could find a wonderful new identity in Jesus Christ. Sometimes a person's given a new identity for security reasons. Someone, uh, police have someone in their care, and they want to protect that person, so they remove them away from, a, from an area, and they give them a new name, a new address, and so on, a new location, a new identity. John 1.42 records how Andrew brings Simon to Jesus, and Jesus says, you are Simon, you shall be called Peter. In those days, a, a change of name meant a change of nature. Names hold meaning, and were, per, were special meaning in Bible days. And Peter means rock, and that's important. We read of special name changes in the Old Testament, how Abram became Abraham, the father of Israel. Jacob became Israel, the one who would, who, who would be the father of the tribes of Israel. A significant new identity because under God they had become different men. God was choosing them and changing them for His purpose. And following Jesus will be a, a new rash, a new experience, and a new identity for Peter. From the rash, impulsive, unstable fisherman to the solid rock and dependable servant of Jesus Christ. It is all about what Christ will do for Jesus. Jesus looked at Peter in verse 42. He says, so you are Simon, the son of John. And he sees the sin-stained, fulfilled life of a raw fisherman. But he also sees what he will make him to be. And he says, you shall be called Cephas, Peter. The rock. Jesus here predicts what divine grace will accomplish in the heart of this disciple. And it's the same for all who are drawn to faith in Jesus Christ. We come just as we are without one plea in all of our weakness of sin, with all of our guilt and our stains. And Jesus sees us just as we are but He knows what by grace we will become. We come because the Spirit of God is at work in our hearts, convincing and convicting us of our sin and showing us God's judgment and drawn to Jesus Christ, we find salvation. Jesus says, come. And He promises that whoever comes will not be turned away. And coming to Jesus, you become a new person in Jesus Christ. Jesus calls it being born again. Paul calls it a new creation in Christ. It's a life shaped by God that has a new identity. A life shaped by God also is working for Jesus, is working for Jesus. Mark's record of Jesus calling Peter we read there that Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. So the call to follow Jesus includes a call to work for Jesus. Peter and Andrew were fishermen. Now they will become fishers of men. 
And their task and that of Christ's disciples is catching people for Christ. They're, they're used with putting their nets into the sea and trawling those nets in order to gather the fish into the nets and bring them ashore. But from now on, their work's going to change. Their task and that of Christ's disciples is about trawling men and women from the dangerous seas and floods of judgment to the safety of being netted in Jesus Christ. And Jesus equips his followers for their task. As following Jesus, they will learn from the one who trains and the one who equips and the one who empowers. And James and Andrew, James and John and Peter and Andrew and Nathaniel and Matthew and all of the other disciples had the great experience of walking with Jesus and listening to Jesus and learning from Jesus so that they were ready to go in Jesus' name and tell the world about Jesus. It's about working for Jesus. The Holy Spirit promised by Jesus and coming down on the disciples at Pentecost is the help and is the power required for us to work for Jesus. It's not all about strategy and techniques and communication skills. Important though those things can be, they have their place, but it's about faithfully witnessing for Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, follow me, trust me, obey me. Peter knew how to fish. He was good at his work. But Jesus knew about the fish. You remember those times, at least a couple of times we read how they, they were out there on the Sea of Galilee and they fished all night and they caught nothing. And Jesus says, cast your net to the other side. And they cast the net over to the other side. And Peter was almost in despair saying, Lord, we, we fished all night and caught nothing but I'll do what you say, and they bring in such a, a host of fish they can't, the net can't hold it. Jesus knows about the fish. And any effectiveness in evangelism is not due to our lack of knowledge or skills, but our consistency and faithfulness in following Jesus. There are times when we are tempted, like Peter, to say, Lord, we have fished all night. Lord, we have fished for years and caught nothing. And I think we feel a bit like that these days, the despair. As we look out at a, a worldly sea that is full of people who are drifting far, far away from Jesus, and we despair as to what to do and Jesus is saying, cast out your nets. Cast out your nets. Reach out to the people around you. Reach out to the people beside you. Reach out with the gospel and the love of Jesus. Life shaped by God is working for Jesus, and working for Jesus is about building the church of Jesus Christ. And whenever Peter in the Mount of Transfiguration or 
just before that, whenever Jesus is asking, who do you people say that I am? Peter says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, you're Peter, and I will build my church. On this rock, I will build my church. Now, Peter himself is not the rock, as, as someone to make out. But the testimony of truth about Jesus is the rock and the solid foundation. When Peter spoke, he was speaking for all of the disciples who have listened to Jesus throughout his ministry, have witnessed his miracles and, and all the wonderful things that he was doing as the Son of God. And so they can say with confidence, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus is saying, Peter, that's the rock of, and that's the foundation upon which you will build the church. Peter's testimony and the apostles' testimony and Christ to Christ will be the solid foundation upon which to build the church. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, they will go preaching to the nations, opening the door of salvation to all who believe in the message. Peter would begin by preaching in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Philip would be in Samaria preaching to the people there. Peter goes to the house of Cornelius in Caesarea preaching to Gentiles. Paul comes on board later and he goes around Asia and Europe preaching Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, working for Jesus, building the church. And that's the work that's still going on. It is your work. It is my work. It is the work of God and the work of Christ that we build His church. And the blessings may vary, but the work goes on. And when Jesus says, I will build my church, he means to use people, people as messengers and workers. The Lord is involving his followers in the work which he has come to earth to accomplish. And we are the tools in his hands. And Christ is still building. And he's still using his people to spread the good news and tell the world about Jesus. And our witness will be the construction material he will use in, his, in building his church. We all need to be ready and prepared and willing to be workers. A life shaped by God means working for Jesus, and what a glorious privilege that is. But a life shaped by God is is also protected by Jesus, is protected by Jesus. You see, facing the enemy, we're facing the enemy, the prince of this world, who's described as a roaring lion that prowls to plunder and destroy it. If you turn back just a couple of pages into Luke chapter 22, verse 31, you read these words, Jesus is speaking again, and Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, 
that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Satan was active in the day of life of Jesus, and Jesus said he'd be active in the life of his disciples and followers. Just like he was active in Eden, he was active in Gethsemane, and he is active today. And the work of the devil is to destroy the good seed that is scattered. It is to set snares that will trap the unwary and to cause confusion and controversy among the people of God and in the church of Jesus Christ, dividing and disrupting God's work and God's people. And Jesus says to Peter, Satan has asked to trouble you. You remember how Satan asked to test Job? And by putting him through the mill of sorrow and loss and severe pain, he brought him through so much agony. And he confronted Jesus in the wilderness after his baptism by John for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. And Satan confronts him and tries to drag him down, capitalize on his weakness. And Jesus warns that he will confront his followers too. And Peter is that warning. Peter's that warning. And the followers of Jesus need to watch. And we need to pray. And we need to wear the armor of God in order to resist the devil. But we have this encouragement. Christ protects those who belong to him. He is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd takes care of his sheep. And here's what Jesus says to Peter, I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you, that you may not fail. Jesus cared about those disciples. There was one occasion where Jesus was tired, and he said to his disciples, you go on out in the boat, and I'll I'll come to you later. And he, he goes away to a high place and a quiet place and he spends time there in prayer to God. And then it says in the Gospels, that, in the Gospel record, that looking out, he saw the little boat out on the sea and the disciples struggling. And it says, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. Because he cared for them. He's watching over them. He sees them struggling and he comes alongside them. And brothers and sisters in Christ this morning, Jesus looks down at us. And he knows what we're going through at times. He knows what it is tough and rough in our lives. He knows the hard times and the bad times and the sad times. This is our assurance. Jesus is saying to you and he's saying to me, I have prayed for you that you may not fail. And that's a tremendous word of encouragement, assurance, and confidence for us that our Heavenly Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, watching over us. Jesus is interceding for us at the Father's throne. I have prayed for you. As we face the snares of a sinful world, 
we have a friend in heaven who's praying for us. And we are protected by His grace. And Christ ever lives and intercedes for us that our faith should not fail. And we may tremble at Satan's devices. We may be broken by the opposition he brings. But we can be confident that we have protection from Jesus. See, Peter is a life in the hands of God. It's like a piece of clay being shaped into a vessel of honor and usefulness. And every detail of his life has been foreordained to be what God intends him to be. And even his death is fixed in the divine program. He's in God's hands. Watch the repair shop. It's a great program. People bring in all of these lovely relics, antiques, little items from the past that have maybe just by neglect or by use have become broken and out of order. And then you watch as those, those people in the repair shop break them down and clean them till they are spotlessly clean again. And then they piece each, put it all back together and they repair the broken bits and, and they come up with a finished article that looks virtually perfect. Can you see yourself as a broken article in the hands of our Creator God as He molds us and shapes us to be what he wants us to be. Because he knows exactly what to fix. Peter is in the hands of God, a life shaped by God. And this is important for us all. Dead in sin, we cannot come alive by ourselves it requires a power from outside to come in and give us new life. And the Holy Spirit is that power. And we are led to faith in Christ and to salvation. And we are called to believe and to pray and to study and to obey and to work and to suffer maybe and to die if necessary for the cause of Christ. That's how it was for Peter. So it's not an easy life. But we will be rewarded for our faith, for our faithfulness, the crown of righteousness in heaven. So what matters most in our discipleship is that God has chosen us to be His, that He so loved the world He gave His only Son to be the propitiation for our sons. And in God's hands we will be shaped by God to be like His beloved Son. This is good news, isn't it? We can enjoy new life with Christ as He is working in us and with us to make us more pleasing to God. And we can go forward in a Christian living with confidence, none daring to make us afraid because Jesus is with us. And there is no one can pluck the child of God out of the hand of God. Peter was chosen and mastered and shaped by the hand of God. And so it is for every follower of Jesus. And we will feel the hand of God clipping and pruning and shaping. 
But we can always be sure that He will bring to completion the work that He has begun, and we will be perfect. Paul writes these words, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. A life shaped by God has a new identity in Christ Jesus, is working for Jesus, is protected by Jesus. Are you in those life-shaping hands? Many of you are. Let God make you to what He wants you to be by grace. But if this morning finds you still a stranger to that grace, and Jesus is still inviting, saying, come, follow me. Come, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Will you come? Let's pray together. Loving Father and blessed Lord Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, we bow before you, humbled by our sense of unworthiness to be called the children of God. We are loved by you. You have given your Son to death for our salvation. You have called us to leave our worldly pleasures and pursuits to follow Jesus. And you see us and know us just as we are, spoiled by sin and stained by our selfishness, and flawed by pride and greed and arrogance. You see what we will become when by grace we are changed and redeemed and justified and made clean by the righteousness of Christ imputed to us, received by faith. Lord, by your word and power, call out men and women today to come to you and follow you. Build your church here and across the nations as you redeem many souls. Take us in, taking us into your, your skill-filled hands. Craft and shape us to be what you want us to be. Remove the faults and the stains and the flaws and improve us steadily until at last we're made in Christ a perfect vessel of honor and glory. So, Lord, hear our prayer and restore our souls and lead us on in the path that you have prepared for us. In Jesus' name, amen.